Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're watching PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening, and we have a full house here in the PHLY studios. Joining me live in studio, we have Broad Street Hockey's one and only Kelly Hankel. We have J.P. Zapata, and joining us all the way from sunny Anaheim, the Philadelphia's number one beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, I thought we did shows with sunglasses now. What, you're all the way out in the <laughs> West Coast. I'm wearing my shady rays. What are you doing? So I actually tried. I tried wearing the sunglasses. The problem is if I'm wearing the sunglasses, I can't see my screen. And that seems to be slightly important in order to see you guys and also see the outline. So I tried. I gave my best shot, but just it's not going to work. You look if, real nice uh, in the Shady Rays, though. If anyone out there wants to see West Coast Charlie in his glasses doing an update from yesterday, it's right here on our YouTube page. So make sure you're uh, make sure you're subscribed here and all that jolly good stuff. You know, every the, the stuff I the stuff I say at the end of the show every day. Just like do that, and you'll catch Charlie doing his reporting from a fake beach outside the Ducks <laughs> practice facility. <laughs> Green screen. Uh, all right, so the joke is done now. I can actually take these off, but these are actually shady rays. They're very comfortable. Get yourself a pair. Uh, we have a lot to get into. There's like a ton of stuff actually happening with the team, I guess, that we're going to have to discuss. And want today to kind of be a roundtable. It's just been me and Charlie all week. Haven't been able to really mix it up too much. You know, listen, I love Charlie, but like, yeah, he's such a goddamn <laughs> professional. So Sometimes yeah. we just need to lighten it <laughs> up a bit. Uh, but honestly, the only thing I want to talk about today is Mike Richards. And we're going to get to that. But I guess we should... Uh, I, like I said, haven't been able to talk to anyone. Tuesday was my Stanley Cup, and um, I lost. I lost my Stanley Cup. The you Flyers did. lost. Mm. And so I haven't been able to talk to either you, JP. Uh, we haven't been doing post games right. this week. Kelly, haven't seen you. You were supposed to be on yesterday. You are with us today. I was... I don't know, apoplectic after the loss to the Sharks. I watched. Uh, now, they have gone on the Sharks to beat the Edmonton Oilers, Best who are an know. abject disaster. I assume we're going to find say. out, like, someone there got fired during the course of today's show. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone just seems to be, like, refreshing. Like, so Jay Woodcroft, huh? He's still the coach? Still the coach. Okay. Right. Uh, but I just need to, get, I need to get your reactions to the Flyers for a second time in a few years – Losing to a team that started the year 0-10-1. So as Charlie says, says all the time, you have to respect someone committed to the bit. And the yeah. Flyers are 100% committed to the bit <laughs> of doing dumb stuff like losing to a team that's not won a game yet. I just, like... JP, what what did you think when you saw they lost <laughs> to right. the... Like, the Flyers aren't good. We, can, we all know they're not good. But, like... The Sharks are barely an NHL team. <laughs> They're not good. Uh, that's so Flyers because that's the only thing I can really chalk it up to because that's just how the Philadelphia Flyers are. Wow, what better way to have this season than losing to the winless San Jose Sharks? And we literally talked about this. It, <laughs> we talked about this can't happen. Like, it, it, it just seems totally unacceptable to me, but... I guess it takes a little of the sting off that like Connor McDavid lost to these guys, but also that team is a disaster. They are now like total points wise. The Sharks and Edmontons are uh, the Sharks and Edmontons. The Sharks and Oilers (laughs) are tied in the standings on total points. Like 
someone probably should get fired oh, from Edmonton more than over one. this. And probably. like the Flyers are in a totally different stratosphere than a team that has McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like they were the sexy pick for President's Trophy and Stanley Cup this year. So <laughs> it makes sense. A team with those expectations, it's an abject disaster to lose to San Jose. But the Flyers have, like, way more good players than the Sharks. They do. Uh, not, uh, no one, obviously, on the level of a dry cycle or whatever, but, like, a lot of decent dudes that the Sharks completely lack, and yet this happened. So I actually agreed with the point that you made on that show after, which, by the way, was a masterpiece. You chugging <laughs> from the iced coffee bottle was just, like, chef's kiss. It was beautiful. But... It's just my daily life. <laughs> the, the biggest problem for me, which you pointed out, is that this was a chance for guys that haven't been scoring, yeah. that are in slumps, like Tyson Forrester, who hasn't gotten a goal yet. This was a chance for them to finally get going against a team that they should have no trouble getting going against, and no one did anything. The first 40 minutes of that game were a joke. Now we see... Mackenzie Blackwood after the night against it, like I guess this guy is just gonna go and win the Vezina, like because we I just talked shit so on him much. a couple days ago. So obviously he's amazing now. Stinks. Um, but he came into the game with like an eight seventy three or eight seventy six save percentage, and it's like, yeah, what are we doing? But <laughs> I just want to like in response to this game and something we're going to talk about later with the Mike Richards stuff and everything that surrounded that era. Oh, you're so giddy. I'm so excited. Uh, like. When do you think, and I guess I'll ask this to Charlie, can you pinpoint when this team, the Flyers, became the ridiculous team? And maybe this is just part of being stuck in the bubble that we like, we look at the Flyers and so everything they do is, but like they've now lost to an 0-10-1 team twice to begin seasons. Uh, they've had the 10-game losing streaks, a bunch of them over the last few years. Mm -hmm. They had the 10-game winning streak where they became the first team in the history of the game to then miss the playoffs. Uh, there's the 2011 playoff goalie carousel always stands out, and then what happened from that, Brzezgalov, the Richards and Carter, everything from the 2011 offseason. They bring in Yager in the return from the KHL. Like, that might be, that offseason might one. be the ridiculous. Yeah, but it's also like he was gone for three years. He's 37. We got rid of our captain and leading scorer. It's like, <laughs> we got that guy. Remember him? He was good like yeah, five years. Yeah, you guys years. know yeah. who he is, right? So that's like, good. Gritty. Uh, the Flyers social media team this summer with the hot mic. That was a good one. Firing Lavi after three games. That was pretty well, too. Uh, then there's like the stuff they haven't been able to control, but just kind of makes you go, what the fuck? Uh, Chris Pronger, 13 games into his captaincy, never plays again. Oscar Limblom, obviously. Ryan Ellis, Nolan Patrick. Uh, this is kind of outside the time frame we talk, we're talking about, but you said this before the show, and I saw uh, Jen at NHL History Girl on Twitter tweeted this morning, uh, November 10th, 1986, so today in 86, the day Pelly Lindbergh crashed his Porsche. Yeah. And, like, that's a tragedy, I guess, on a different level, but also, like, what the fuck? Like, when did this team become the ridiculous team charlie can you point to one thing like they were always a headline team but this is ridiculous i think probably the answer is that they've always been like this they've always <laughs> been the ridiculous team Smith now, statue, now, like now i can only like i can only go back to when i started following the team 
And I feel like to me, the first time when it hit me that, oh, I am following a team that is just crazy was the moment when on television they took the C away from Lindros oh, and gave it to On God. television. On television. Legitimately took it off. Physically removing and it. And handed it to someone like, all right, Desjardins is the captain <laughs> now. And then like a couple of years later, he goes, oh, well, Primo's the captain anyway, so I just gave it to him. Like they just gave it to somebody. And like only to humiliate their best player for no other reason. Like that's who they are. And like going back to those Bobby Clark years, like the Chris Gratton offer sheet, like, Oh yeah, we mm. gave him 10 mil up front. Cause Tampa can't do that. They don't have 10 million in cash. And like, we tried it again with Shea Weber and Nashville was like Christ. one of their owners had to step in and be like, I can, I can cover it. <laughs> like They're just always been asinine. I like 2011, I guess, is when it really blew up. And that kind of ties into yeah. that kind of ties into the Richard stuff we'll talk about. But like, does it can they ever be not this? Like, yes. will they do you foresee? Like we always talk We're about I'm, I'm starting to trademark it now. I'm going to I want to put out T-shirts. The next great Flyers team trademark. <laughs> like when they're good again, are they still going to be ridiculous? Probably, probably. I would, I would, I would say they'd probably be. Little, I would say that they ridic They became a ridiculous, like a, a ridiculous team, like you see now when Chuck Fletcher became the GM or president, whatever he was with, with the Flyers. But you know, I even look at that era, the the gritty beating up the fan, and like yeah. the whole lawsuit, like that to me. That didn't even happen. <laughs> maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. It's just like, <laughs> I don't even know. Our mascot, who is a meth head, basically. <laughs> Um, got accused of beating up a child, and yeah. it's like, yeah, man, that's gritty. That was a wild. And we story. all just were like, yeah, could have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. Like, all right, all right. <laughs> no one seemed to have a problem with it either. It's like that kid was probably an asshole. Like, he's eleven. <laughs> Most of them are assholes. If yeah, I, mean, what's a kid? yeah. Uh, I just like, I don't know, man. I, I just look at this team and wonder sometimes. Like, losing to San Jose is one of the most embarrassing moments I can remember. And when you start listing shit, it's like, does it actually even make the top 10? I was going to say, this is a bit of recency bias for you. Uh, like, yes. No, but that's, I'm like, this is horrible. This is the low point. And then I just start thinking of things. And I'm like, we had a months long discourse about a statue of a lady who sang the anthem 20 years ago. Or 50 40, years ago. like 40 or 50. Yeah, years. like, wh what is this team? How can we even focus on what they do on the ice when it's constantly like, oh, you know what the Flyers did no now? Point. Keith Jones, the hilarious dude who uh, who makes the fart jokes on the WIP morning show. Yeah, he's the president. No, that's the best and everyone's like, oh, years. actually, that's a good move. Yeah, that's <laughs> they've made in years. So here's the thing, though. You and I have been fans for a very long time. There were very long stretches where this was just a good hockey team that did fun things. And there's no reason why they can't be that again. It's just, you know, they got I mean, to get we, there. We still getting there is going to be a messy, messy affair. We still have Danny Breer's kid throwing wheelchairs. Yeah, like <laughs> Danny Breer's kid oh, who we all remember from, oh the, from the 24-7. Like that happens as he becomes general manager. Literally. Like they, they take the interim tag off and then this – and it's like – something they have no control over and it doesn't affect the team at all it's just like really this is going on this is what's happening this is who we are i just you shake your head at them sometimes like 
when, when they get the honor shit straightened out, I guess all that will just be noise. It's like, yeah, man, like, of course, yeah. Bunch of professional athletes, of course, crazy stuff happens sometimes, yeah. but uh, you just shake your head. It's constantly something. For a team that never actually does, like, they don't win anything. They're never Not at like the top it. of the draft. They're never the absolute worst team. They haven't made big acquisitions in a long time. Like Ryan Ellis doesn't exactly. Oh my God. Like, Oh, nice move. Like didn't work out, but it's not like, Oh, they went and offer sheeted McDavid. Like that didn't happen. You know, we still somehow they're constantly a story for us. Yeah. Yeah. I just, we're sickos. <laughs> that probably is what it comes down to yeah. is we Literally. are just paying way too, way close too attention much attention to a team yeah. that gives us almost no reason to. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Charlie's just like, yeah, yeah basically. You guys no, summed it all up. It, it, exactly. I, I, everything you guys are saying is correct. Like For Charlie, team, though, it's like that tweet, like this is terrible for our country, but. It's great content. It's great for Charlie. It's extremely good content. Charlie's got There's content There's always something LBS. to write about. Always. There's always stuff to write about. There's always things for people to complain about. There's always things for fans to lament. There's always news. The Flyers are always doing stuff. Now, is that stuff usually good? No. But stuff's happening. They do be doing stuff. <laughs> we gotta take a second uh calling all card collectors wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the delaware valley their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all they carry all of your favorite card brands like tops chrome baseball and mosaic football as well as t-shirts hats hoodies from brands like mitchell and ness 47 brand junk food starter and shibe vintage sports looking to, looking to grade your sports card collection wheelhouse offers psa grading submissions they also host tons of different family friendly events and birthday parties every month and now right now you got to stop into either of their stores in wayne or westchester open seven days per week at 11 a.m and use code phly to get ten dollars off any purchase of 25 dollars or more in store also be sure to give them a follow at on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards, I love a good in-store discount. Mm. Uh, used one just yesterday on man, another place, but it's it's always nice. Like yeah. I need to try things on. I can't just go to the store and buy. Like I just can't go online and like, oh, that shirt will fit. Like no, it, it probably won't actually. You're a weird with shape. You, no one can. <laughs> yeah, like it's who impossible. are these things for? So I like being able to go in and. Uh, Take advantage of an in-store like nice. man. That's ten dollars off any purchase twenty-five or more. That's real nice. So you go to go to either the their locations, Wayne or Westchester. Uh, Wheelhouse Cards, P H L Y, gets you ten dollars off. All right. So I made everyone eat their vegetables. We had to talk about the bad stuff and the ridiculous things. <laughs> and now, now it's time to talk about something that's real, real fun. Kelly Hinkle wearing the jersey hey. today. I almost wore my jersey i was yeah. really thinking about it mike richards is back yes. in orange and black fam uh january 26th at the wells fargo center as part of the uh, like mark recce flyers hall of fame induction and the flyers alumni weekend mike richards will be back in the alumni game and it's about damn time i am so excited about this mike richards is probably my favorite flyer of all time uh it's 
His tenure was far too short, and there's yes. plenty of extenuating circumstances, plenty of blame to go around for what happened. You know, in the ridiculous segment that we just did, like <laughs> you could write a book about just like that team, like Seriously. that team from Charlie. Like write that down. The uh, <laughs> note it. Fr- from their coming out of the 22 and 60 season to then in 08 going to the Eastern Conference Final, all the way through you know the 2010-11 playoffs when the wheels just came off and suddenly this core we thought was going to be together and be battling you know Crosby and Ovechkin for the next 10 years. It's like yeah, they're all gone. We're doing something else. Like it's always seemed like I've said multiple times on the show. If I had a time machine, if I can change one thing in Flyers history. I'd run back that Richards and Carter yes. team one more year. Just one more year. Bobrovsky's still the starter. They don't go get Briz. Oh you have Giroux now breaking out. So those those yep. two are the role players that they were in L.A. And Giroux's your top guy. They might have been able to Our do more than they did. Could have been different. Yeah, like uh, so much could have been different. You know, butterfly effect. Maybe Pronger doesn't get hurt. You know, who knows? But he's finally back. And Kelly and I, everyone knows... Huge Mike Richards fan. On the way in, you said that was your first jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Was a Mike Richards jersey. That's right. Charlie, just a fan back in those days. So you can take off, you can uh, you can put down the hair, you can quit <laughs> being a capital J journalist for this segment. We can just talk about a fa- as a fan. I want to start with you, Chuck. What made Richards so special to our generation of Flyers fans? Yeah, I think that's that's really a key part of this, is it very much is a specific generation loves Mike Richards because you talk to older fans who, you know, lived through Bobby Clark, lived through the 80s teams, even the ones that, you know, were in their, I guess, peak fandom era during the Lindros era, and they aren't as big fans of guys like Mike Richards in particular. But I'd say, like, if you're between the ages of, let's say, like, 28 and 45, something like that in that sweet spot, I feel like pretty much everybody loves Mike Richards, even knowing the way it ended, even knowing the way his career ended. Everybody in that age range loves the guy. And I think it really just comes down to the way it comes down to the way he played. Like it's the difference between like, I personally believe that Chase Utley was the best player on those Phillies teams, but it was close. There were a lot of guys you could make the argument that were actually the best player on those teams. Chase Utley is absolutely the most loved player on those teams. And it's just because the way he... It's the way he played. You know, he was a lunch pail guy. You know, he got hit with like a pitch every other game, it seemed like, because he just wouldn't move. He was diving around in the dirt. He was just the kind of player that Philly fans tend to love. And I think Mike Richards was like that for Flyers fans. You know, he played that that gritty style. He hit even though he wasn't a big guy. He scored clutch goals. He made big plays. He was an incredible shorthanded player, which I think is a low-key thing that Flyers fans love because it's like – I am I'm expecting the worst and suddenly the best happens and it just immediately gets Flyers fans on board with a guy and Richards was so good on the penalty kill. I just think I just think it was his style. I think he was he was it was almost like he was made in a lab to be a Philadelphia (laughs) Flyer. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you made the Utley comparison because to me those were the like we it's basically the exact same time frame and I thought we had these two guys who were going to be. I don't know if either were the level of player like I, Bryce Harper is now, but we have these dudes who just represent us yeah. in this. Like, not only are they all star caliber players, 
And Mike Richards was like at his best, maybe a point a game player. He scored 30 a couple times. He was by no means like a superstar. But for us, he was. And like yes. he wore that C just like when they drafted him, we were told he's your next captain. And now maybe they put it on him prematurely. I would love to get to talk to him about that one day. Uh, people in Flyers organization, I know you probably want to sell some tickets to this thing. Help us promote it. Give us Mike Richards. I'm hey, here. Please. Anyway, I, like uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I like know that. they listen. Uh, I would like to talk to Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like uh, I, perfectly fit the fan base's personality. And it was at a time when there was this infusion of young, like Penguins had just got Crosby. Uh, Caps just got Ovechkin and it was who's our guy we don't have that superstar guy but we have something else we have these two dudes two who yeah. are best friends yep. and they you know especially Richards I think Carter took a little more flack because he was a more skilled player he didn't like, look like he was trying yeah, the way that Richards when did, you look yes. at like the short, like everyone remembers Mike Richards and all the shorthanded goals. Jeff Carter had just about as many. Like it's like only a few apart. Like he did the almost all the exact same shit. He was just really, really good. Yeah. Case in point, Mike Richards been out of league long time. Jeff Carter's still playing, <laughs> not particularly well, but still playing still at like forty years yeah. old. So like it's just we thought, okay, we have this thing. We don't have those guys, but we have this depth and we have this heart that he just so perfectly personified. I mean, before this show, Kelly, I had my earbuds in and I fell down the rabbit hole. History will be made. What if Richie didn't play like Clarky? I'm tearing up every time. I, I don't I, like. I am a blubbering baby when that thing comes on. I'm like sitting here across from JP. Like, I barely know you. You can't see me cry. <laughs> I mean, I can't watch the shift without getting chills. It's to so this good. Day. I still think of that picture. I don't know if anybody remembers it. There was a picture that the Flyers used that had Richards and Carter, like the year they were drafted, underneath the sign in the locker room that said, "We supply everything but the guts." And I used that on like all of my social media and shit back when <laughs> no one had like on MySpace or whatever. Um, <laughs> that was your caption. That was your yeah. go-to caption. But yeah, like Charlie said, it really is an age thing. Like I'm, they were already like, they were my age. Exactly. I, I look at them they and I'm like about my the, age. Yeah. Even the way things went at the end, I'm like, I can't yeah, I say it. that's not yeah. how it wouldn't go for me. To <laughs> yeah. But like, oh, yeah. give me a guy who loves the party, 13 year contract with guaranteed millions of dollars. Right. I don't know how it would go. Yeah, so, like, we were talking before the show about how Eric Lindros is obviously, like, the guy in, in the Flyers' history for people like us. Like, it's not Bobby Clark. We weren't alive yet. But we were too young when Eric Lindros was around for us to really be able to, like, experience that era of Flyers hockey. And for me, Mike Richards was at the time where I was really starting to be able to, like, enjoy hockey as an adult, go to games, look at things on the internet, join broadstreethockey.com. Like it was the time, like a very formative time for me as a hockey fan. And I can just remember like having conversations with other hockey people about like before Crosby and, and Richards and Carter came in to the NHL, like during the world juniors that they all played in like, Oh, who would you take? Because like, yeah, Crosby's is really good. But, like these two, you know what I mean? Like just having those kind of conversations. And then the uh, lockout year Calder cup, 
That was like the oh, most man. fun ever. They that joined team the, was so They joined sick. that Phantoms team, I believe, just for the playoffs or maybe right at the end of the regular yeah. season. And then I think Carter goes on to win. The, like, they were that amazing. That Phantoms team was uh, ridiculous. I mean, that Phantoms team is like the backbone of a Flyers team that then went to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years later. Exactly, yeah. Like, <laughs> that was an NHL team on the It was fully ice. an NHL roster. And that playoff run was so fun. Again, because unlike the 98 win... I was old enough to really be able to. Yeah, enjoy I was there it. in '98. Like yeah, that pennant in the other studio that's right behind me when we're in there. That's mine. Yeah, but I was ten years was old. Kid, right. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, you know, <laughs> I, I yes. remember Peter White was awesome, but what happened in the game couldn't tell you. Yeah. So like, Eric Lindros night. I went. I cried up on the second level, of the Wells Fargo Center. It was beautiful and an incredible thing that the organization was able to pull off. This is just a step below me which I think might be a little bit weird because I think like Mike Richards himself probably thinks of himself as a king. Mm. That's where he won his cups and stuff. You won know a couple mean? cups. Yeah. I, that's honestly a great question. I would like to ask him Because that. the way it ended in both places, he's got to feel like, what the, f- what did I yeah, do to you? what the fuck, exactly. Like, you know how, you watch how I play this game at my size and you wonder like why I might be breaking down? Yeah. Like, what did I fucking do to you that you have to betray me in this way? I mean, like, I don't want to talk about all the stuff that happened to him because a lot of it's very fucked up and a lot of it is like conjecture. And I don't want to like say things on this no, professional like radio we've show. We've made that, a lot yeah. of jokes about the way things went down. But I don't know how it actually happened, you know? Yeah, we've all heard some things. But it, it was, as you said, what happened to him was a byproduct of the way he played the game and the way the people responsible for him as an asset decided to handle him playing the game that way to, you know, pump him up full of stuff that would make him be able to get out on the ice and do it. And that's, you know, ultimately what led to him, you know, leaving the league. And that I think also is part of why Mike Richards is such a thing is it's like this very like tragic tale of like a very good hockey player that won at every single level, literally won at every single level. And this is the way his career ends. It's unfair and it's fucked up. And I think people really latch on to those kinds of things in an emotional way. It's very much a what if story with Mike Richards um, in the NHL, whether it's, you know, he could have just been, he could have been the captain for most of Drew's time. You know, like that's what we thought was going to be the case when they gave him that C and it just like, I was there at the spectrum. Like he came out without a jersey on and they handed him a jersey with this and it was like a big deal. Yeah. It was like, okay, here's our guy. And, you know, it turns out Giroux is then the captain for a decade. But like it, it was just such a it's such a what if story. And we have so many like Lindros mm-hmm. in the Hall of Fame, but a what if guy. Yeah. Like Ron Hextall, a what if story. Pelly Lindbergh, a what if story. Oh. We have so many of them. I mean, Chris Pronger, he had a Hall of Fame career before he stepped on the ice in orange and black, but looked like he still had some, I think he had like seven points in the eight games or whatever, 11 and 13, whatever it was before he got hurt. Like he was still excellent. Uh, Like we have Nolan Patrick, what if guy, you know, we have so many of these and he's just like the one who was so us and it got taken away from us. And I'm very excited to see him come back. It does. Super psyched. Is this Charlie, do you think, a um, maybe they just need another draw? Like Lindros has been back a while. Uh, Clark and Barber are like, we're done with the alumni games. You know, like we're we're 100. We're good on this. And they just like, maybe they need a little extra to help promote these things. 
Or is this a concerted effort to once again try to reach out and bring people back into the fold? The Flyers family, once a Flyer, always a Flyer. We know that that was a thing for a long time. And then a lot of people have complained that that kind of family aspect went away. Now they're making an effort to try to bring it back. Is that how you see this, Charlie? Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of both, but I do think that it's significantly more the latter, that they really are making an effort. I had actually heard that they made a big push the last time they had one of these alumni games to try to get Richards to come back, and he kind of was on the fence about it and ultimately decided he didn't want to come back. But, like, this isn't a new thing. They've been trying to get Richards back into the fold, I think, for for a little bit. I think this has been kind of a pet project within the, uh, the halls of the Wells Fargo Center and the Flyers organization. But I also think that, you know, having someone like Keith Jones – doing the outreach now who doesn't like keith jones i think this is some this is a situation where having keith jones as your president of hockey operations probably helps because i'm sure there's still a little bit a little bit of bitterness there from from richards i think he has every right to be a little bit bitter in that he thought he was going to spend his entire career in philadelphia there's a reason why he signed that contract and it was kind of taken from him and granted, you know, it's hockey, it's, it's professional sports league guys can get traded. It happens, but he was the captain. He was in many ways, the face of the franchise. And I'm sure that there is a little bit of, of resentment there. Maybe not as much resentment as he might have towards the Kings because, you know, at least there wasn't legal proceedings and they didn't try to like not pay him his contract like they did in LA. But I'm sure that they had to smooth over some, you know, some rough patches and and credit to the Flyers. They've they've made this they did it with Lindros and I've always said Paul Holmgren deserves a ton of credit for doing his best to try to bury the hatchet and get Lindros back involved with the Flyers. Great job by Paul Holmgren there. And I think this might be in a way and granted the Lindros situation was far more fraught than Richards, but in a way this is the new, you know, the new era of orange, the new brain trust, trying to do something similar for for people a little bit younger, for people more in our generation, because they know that people in our generation still love Mike Richards. It is very, it just seems very reminiscent of how they brought Lindros back into the fold. Like, and that was uh, the outdoor game, the like Mm. winter classic at Citizens Bank. That was a big fucking deal. This is again, and it's not that, like, I don't think anyone's going to confuse 88 and 18. Like, we're talking about two total... And, again, Richards may be my favorite flyer ever, but two totally different stratospheres of player. Yes. But I'm very happy to see him being brought back in. And we've spent a decent number of a uh, decent amount of time on this. I just want to go around and favorite Mike Richards moment. I'm taking the shift off the board because that's so fucking easy. Um, I'm going to throw one out. Uh, that was just an awesome moment, Philly sports-wise. Uh, that uh, the 08 playoffs against the Capitals, the penalty shot goal at the Wells Fargo Center, mm. and he does a little Alex Ovechkin celebration, and it was just so cool. He was just such a badass. And at the, based on the timing of me, like I like forensic filed this thing. <laughs> I was at a Phillies game across the street, watched most of the Flyers game at Harry the K's. But Pat Burrell hit a game-tying home run in the ninth inning. I'm almost within five minutes of that goal. Based on text messages and everything I've been able to piece together. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with you doing this. The things basically (laughs) happened at the same time. And the games let out at similar times. And it was an all-time night at the sports complex 
no one should ever break up the sports complex. Like the feeling there was for sure. fucking incredible. Yeah. That's my favorite Mike Richards moment. Uh, JP for sure. No, I just real quick, like, you know, just that era in general was just an absolute vibe. Like you look at back, that was like my middle school time. So like back then it was obviously like my space was obviously like a thing. Kelly's going to get up and walk out. <laughs> Small child. This is, that's, that, that's what I associate like Jeff Carter and Mike Richards to. And like, it's crazy. Like at that point, like the flyers were bigger than the Sixers. Like, in my school, like, everyone was talking Flyers. No one really was talking Sixers like you do see now. But for me, obviously, like, Mike Richards, like, obviously, I could look at, like, that, that Boston series in, uh, in, in, in uh, 2010. But, like, for me personally, I have a personal story. So, for people who don't know, I am Colombian. So, every year I would go to Colombia. I was – I feel like I still am one of the only few Latinos who loves hockey. So, coming back from Colombia with my dad, I'm wearing actually that, that Mike Richards jersey. This guy's hammered. Like, he's <laughs> drinking on the plane. And then he gets obviously escorted off the plane. And once we land in Philadelphia, he looks right at me. He's like, look at that. The only Colombian Flyers fan right here. And I'm like, that's me. What, what's wrong with you, sir? So, like, the, to me, like. It actually I'll, was Mike Richards. <laughs> Mike Richards is funny. But, no, like, to me, like, that's how I, I think of Mike Richards. Because, like, he, to me, was, like, that first flyer. Like, you guys saw my Eric Lindros. To me, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter. Like, th that's, like, my first, like, favorite Flyers players. And so to me, like that, that's how I always think of Mike Richards as being like my favorite player as a kid. All right. Hinkle. No, no one gave me any warning to like research <laughs> my favorite thing. That's not the shift. <laughs> so I'll just say like collectively, I can see in my head his shorthanded goal move. The way he would like watch the guys at the point and make that move and go all the way down the ice on the breakaway and score. It was, it was beautiful. You saw it. He would sag back like you could a, see it a, a step too far to try to bait yeah. a point-to-point -point pass. Yes. Like, and then it would be like, he's Boom, gone, bro. right up the middle. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was <laughs> so good every time. It was, it, was, it was something special. Charlie, do you have a, uh, a Mike Richards moment? Yeah, I mean, I have a few. I think I've zeroed in on one, though, that I will always remember. Like, I think the, the you know, other ones, uh, the, the penalty shot goal, his first playoff goal, that was awesome against the Capitals. I also am always going to remember the, uh, and even though, I mean, you could argue that ultimately this didn't play out the way they wanted if you believe in jinxes maybe it matters i did i will always remember the fact that he did not hesitate at all to pick up the eastern conference championship trophy it just it trophy, very yeah. much in it, it, it very much embodied that like we don't give a fuck mentality like nobody even thought we were supposed to be here so screw it we're going to do whatever the hell we want and i love that but i do think the moment that that, rem that sticks in my mind which hilariously like that play did not lead to something good for the Flyers, but I do think in retrospect, it may be the underrated thing that allowed them to make the uh, the comeback in the Boston series. That hit that he made on David Krejci right before Gosh. Boston scores the goal in game three that knocks Krejci out for the rest of the series. Like, yeah, it leads to a Boston goal right after that. But they the fact that they did not have Krejci the rest of that series, like I think if he plays, there's no way the Flyers win four straight. And that was just a classic Mike Richards, I am going to blow you the hell up hit. And he just made so many of those when, when he was a Flyer. Uh, David Booth, oh, cutting that was, I mean, listen, it's the that, way he played. That, that, that's a hit that would be illegal. That would be illegal uh, now. Listen, <laughs> is it the cleanest thing in the world? It No. That's hockey, though, and that, that's, like, that's why they called him Cannon. Like, yeah. he just fucking played that way, man. And if you were in his – I'll never uh, – just one last thing, and then we'll be done. Um, he was trying uh, 
Matt Cook, I think, was trying to like get him to fight. And oh, Richards was a decent fighter. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that when uh, Crosby fights Carcillo. How about that? <laughs> and obviously that was never going to happen. But then he goes and fights Cook and just whooped it. Like it was in like commercials. He whooped his ass so bad. And like Cook's going down and he just catches him with this uppercut. And it was like, yes, <laughs> fuck the Penguins. And like we never even, we never beat them until he was gone. Like it wasn't until that 2012 playoff with G, but like, the rivalry was so good. So it good. was so contentious. And it was like, he was just the opposite of Crosby. Yes. Like Crosby had that Sid the Kid me. Like he was, everyone called him a whiny little bitch early in his career. He was. And Richards was the opposite. Yes. And I think that really kind of, that really kind of embodied it. I miss All that right. Flyers hockey. Uh, it was, I want it. I need it. It will never, back. like obviously even since then, in the 10 years or whatever since then, the game has changed. I always do want the Flyers to be a little that way, though. Uh, and I think we can all just wrap this, say, very happy to have Mike Richards back in the fold. Yes. Looking forward to him hopefully doing a little media uh, yeah, when that gets closer. <laughs> call me up, everyone Interview at the Bill, organization. Yes. And uh, listen, if you're looking to maybe get tickets to that alumni game, oh. damn, man, I can't think of a better way to do it than with game time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Speaking of returns oh uh mike richards back in uh, back in the fold we'll see him at that alumni game we were all set for the return of carter hart tonight yesterday they told us oh yeah mm -hmm. he's back and he's playing today no ma'am hit the brakes uh charlie what do we know about this carter hart illness what the hell happened yesterday he was playing yeah, I mean, yesterday I was at practice at the uh, the Anaheim Ducks practice facility, and we talked to Carter Hart. I can confirm. I talked to Carter Hart, and he said, I feel great. Mm -hmm. He basically revealed that the injury was a lower back injury. It more or less locked up on him for a few days. He could barely move, but then over the weekend, he felt a lot better. I mean, this is, I guess, what happens when you're 25 years old. You recover very quickly. <laughs> I miss those days. But... Uh, he was very much ready to go. And John Tortorella, who notoriously refuses to give goalie updates uh, a day before the game, he's like, I'm only going to tell you who the starter is on game day. We asked him and he basically said, look, it's obviously going to be Carter. He He's he's cleared. He's good to go. He's playing on Friday. So I operated under the assumption that Carter Hart would be ready to go for Friday. And then we get to uh, we get to the arena, which I am still at the arena. But we get to the arena and we interview John Tortorella 15 minutes before the start of morning skate and just kind of as a courtesy i said are there any unexpected lineup changes you know as opposed to what you said yesterday and he said carter's sick he's not going to play so 
Carter Hart, I do believe this is not some – the two things I kept seeing on social media in response to my initial tweet were, number one, oh, he's day-to-day. That means he's never going to play again. And yeah. then number two was, oh, they're oh, trading him to Edmonton. No, I do not think either of those things is going to happen. I think Carter Hart is legitimately just sick. And maybe he'll be good to go on Saturday. Maybe they won't have to play Cal Peterson. Who knows? So you heard it here first, fam. Carter Hart and Morgan Frost – to Edmonton for Leon Dreisaitl, <laughs> Charlie O'Connor reporting. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't appear that that's going to happen. Um, Not today. I will say though, you know, we've we've given the Flyers some flack for maybe not forcing guys back too early, but allowing them to kind of dictate the terms of their return. And I don't know, like, yeah, okay, he's sick. He was going to play. He felt good. When I hear his lower back hurt so bad, he could barely move a couple of days ago. No. Um, seems good that he's not playing, right? Like, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't hate that he's not going to go. I will ask, though, and it's not even, like, so much for the tank aspect. Like, yeah, throw Cal Peterson in there, and it's like, who cares? Like, after they lost to San Jose, I'm, I'm done. I want them to lose every we lost game. lost Stanley Cove. Yeah, like, that's it. But, like, why rush him back? If he couldn't move this weekend, how do you go? Oh, yeah, he's fine. Like, that doesn't seem good. No, I feel like as a goaltender, you need your lower back. For sure. I've never played the game, but I'm just assuming that you need your lower back if you're a goaltender. And hearing that he literally couldn't move for two days makes you think maybe we don't let him say, oh, I feel better, and then let him. Like, "Mm, no. Like Sam Erson needs starts anyway, so like why? Why rush him back? I'm with you guys. Don't don't rush it if he, if you know if he's not full 100 there. And you know we need to see some more from Sam Erson as well. So I'm I'm with you guys. Just don't rush this, please don't. And just like in terms of value, now I don't know if the move ultimately is to trade Carter Hart, keep him, resign him forever, mm. whatever it is. I don't think goalie who's banged up all the time has as much value as no. guy who's held like. No. And that leads me to my question, and I'll start with, with Charlie for this. Uh, is Carter Hart durable? Now, since he came into the league, he's made 201 starts. That's 13 most, 13th most in the NHL over that span. So not elite, but top end, top half. Uh, 106 starts since 2021-22, also 13th. Uh, so his workload since he was a rookie, it's been top half of the league. I wouldn't say he's been asked to play as much as like the tippy top guys, like the top six or eight guys. The last three years have 120 plus starts. He's at 106, you know, so he's not there, but would you say Hart is durable? Like this is, we say he gets banged up every year, but is it just kind of all goalies are going to be on the IL for a week or two every season. Like what is Carter Hart's like durability? Is it worse than other players? How would you, how would you categorize him? So I don't think you can call him durable because he does get banged up a couple times every year. It's kind of something we just have to come to expect. However, I also don't think he's injury prone. Because it's not like when he gets hurt, it's not like he misses a ton of time. He ultimately does play in a lot of games every year. I just don't think he's durable. I I think he's a guy where if you ultimately decide 
that you are going to hitch your ride to Carter Hart, that you're going to re-sign him to a big deal, and he's going to be your goalie through the rest of the 2020s into when the Flyers hope they will be pulling themselves out of this rebuild. I think you have to acknowledge that if you have intentions on competing for a cup and finishing a high place in the standings, you need to have a slightly better than average backup if you are going to hitch your ride to Carter Hart because you probably can depend upon Carter Hart for about 50 games, maybe 55 a year, but probably more like 50. And you're thinking that, okay, he's going to miss a week or two here and there, maybe once or twice a season, and you better have a pretty decent backup who can take the load when he's not going to be able to play. So I don't think he's injury prone. But I don't think he deserves the title of durable because he does get banged up more a little a little bit more often than a goalie who I would truly call durable. I think it's tough though too because like we also have to consider like we've been relying a lot on Carter Hart, so like I always do put that in consideration. But you do bring up really valid points. I mean, like he's obviously missed quite a few amount of games. But I wonder what happens if there's like a better team and you're not relying on Carter Hart as much. His work like. Maybe the start total isn't like the tippy top guys. And this year they've done a great job, a great job of shop suppression for the most part. But like what he's asked to do behind this blue line, especially like these last three years that I'm focusing on and really his entire tenure. I mean, Jesus, when when they finally brought him up, when we were like begging them to bring him up and they do when they fire Ron Hextall, it's like. (laughs) <laughs> look at this defense you know yeah. how would you categorize like forget about even durability kelly where would you rank like how would you categorize him i don't need you to like rank the fucking 32 goalies or whatever <laughs> but like in what tier do you place carter hart i think he's solidly mid-tier goaltender i think he's generally reliable the best of the next like yeah like the high end of the high B squad. end yeah. b Definitely not a squad. I think the first second we thought maybe he was going to be, but I think and he still could like, I he has believe, flashes of it. I believe the possibility exists that he gets to high end, but I think that that's never going to happen the way that they rely on him. We talked about this before the season. We were talking about kind of where the, we're going to go with the goaltending. There's no reason not to one a one B these guys. First of all, Erson needs starts. Mm-hmm. He's kind of proven that like he does better when he plays more. Carter Hart gets hurt because he plays too much. And Charlie, I have a leaky brain, so correct me if I'm wrong. Are most of his injuries, have they been groin? He's had a couple times where it's been the groin. This obviously doesn't appear to have been the groin. No. This appears to have been a lower back thing. No, but, but yeah, yeah, he's definitely tweaked his I'm groin saying, more than a couple times. And he's a goaltender with the splaying constantly. Like if his groin <laughs> is a weak point in his body, Ron Hextall. that's going to be a problem yep. long-term. And if it gets hurt once or twice every year in that same place, how long is he going to be able to be good as a goaltender with a groin that doesn't work properly? Like that's it's <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. My point is they play Carter Hart too much. They shouldn't, they should not play him that much. And I feel like if we are going to assume that he's going to be the goalie for this team when they're making a run at the Stanley Cup, that that has to start now with the load management because he's not going to be able to be physically, I don't believe, if they don't start to manage it now. Yeah, I I think for this year especially, like, just as you said, what what is the reason not 
to split the workload. If you believe Erson has starter upside, especially like we keep hearing, they think he's a starting goalie in this league and maybe his ceiling isn't that of Carter Hart's, but they think he's a starter. What is the virtue in not splitting their workload? Maybe Carter doesn't like it because he's got to negotiate a contract soon. Don't care. But that's not the coach's problem. No. That's not the GM's problem. That's not the team's. Like, that's a Carter Hart issue. Play better, don't get hurt as much, and you can play 60 games. Exactly. Like, I, I just don't get the reason to not go as close to 50-50 as you can. You're right. All right. Uh, for, I had a, a segue to the last read in mind, and I have no idea what it was going to be. So I just got to tell you, FOCO <laughs> has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Maybe you're in the market for some accessories, toys, collectibles, or novelty items for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear, team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports and they have yours too. get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show. And for all non presale items, use promo code PHLY for 10% off. That's promo code PHLY for 10% off FOCO. Listen, you can do a lot worse. I don't know if they love that tagline. I can't imagine they do, but everyone knows what I'm saying without saying, you know, yeah. listen, just go to FOCO because like, you know, yeah. uh, I think that's the best way to do to do what I'm doing. Everyone yeah. gets it, right? We yeah. Um, <laughs> someone's going to come to me and be like, you can't do this. You can't do the reads in this fashion. I am. Listen, you're um, selling products. If you so me. while Carter Hart not drawing back in quite yet, perhaps he's back tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, Morgan Frost is back. And I got to start with you, Hinkle. Have we just been making too much about this? I'm so glad that we get to talk about Morgan Frost again. It's really, it's really been a, it's really been a while. Frosty it's talk. been six or seven hours since we our lives are dominated Frost. by talk of Morgan Frost. I mean, I, I maybe we're making too much of it, but also, as Charlie pointed out in his article, it's ridiculous. It's stupid that it keeps happening. It is dumb. It's very stupid. There's no reason for him not to be in the lineup. And he'll probably get taken out again after this game. Like, he's probably not going to play the rest of the season without getting taken out again. And it's just like, why? Like, he's he's not important enough to this team to be the subject of so much conversation. And yet, we're forced to talk about him because John Tortorella has a bug up his ass about this kid for reasons unknown. And I would just like to not talk about him anymore. I would like him to just be on the third line, hanging out there, doing stuff, setting up goals. Like, that's all he needs to be. Yeah, especially after that San Jose game, you, you want to see something from him. And I, that's actually the interview I want Could to see. not buy a goal. <laughs> yeah, I want to see your interview trying to get some dirt on that situation. I, I would love to. I would just, like, you know, we're going to talk about the power play if we have time. And it's, you know, he's been in there and the power play has struggled just as much. But I don't know. I, I would like to see some creativity on the power play, and he's got a little bit of that. Bit. Like, sure. There's only so many dudes on this team who I'd categorize as playmakers, and while maybe he's not a difference maker, he does have that little bit of skill set that 
don't know. The power play's operating in the single digits. They haven't scored since the Anaheim game. 31st in the league? Yeah, like, uh, that's, I looked it up today. Somehow the Blues are at two some percent. They're like sub three percent. It's fucking incredible how bad they're, like, are they just punting? Are they like, nah, we actually don't, we're just going to dump on the power plays. Like, anyway, um, Charlie, I I saw Mike Sealski's article in the Inquirer maybe yesterday uh, about, about like him. He's making a bigger point about all this being part of the process and Frost isn't important enough, as Kelly said, to like get this much attention for what's going on. Uh, He compared him to Tony Roten, which I think is a little unfair. Like Tony Roten after the process, like was out of the NBA, never played in the NBA again. Uh, I know Morgan Frost might be just a guy, but when we move on from him, I assume he's still going to be an NHL player somewhere, you know, like he's decent enough. He's not a dude who's never going to play again. I I don't think he's going to be as good as Patrick Sharp, but I absolutely see the Patrick Sharp trajectory happening here where the coach just didn't like him. Ken Hitchcock hated goals. So Patrick Sharp had to go. John Tortorella doesn't like Morgan Frost for some reason that I can't understand. And he's going to go to another team that has a spot for him that knows how to use, utilize his talents. And he's going to have a very nice little career. And people are going to say, well, why couldn't he do that here? Because they wouldn't let him like the sharp comparison. Like sharp was good in the AHL. Yes. And he was a nut. It looked like he might become a nice player. Morgan Frost has been far more productive than Patrick Sharp ever was as a flyer. Now, opportunity. Like, those teams were, like, trying to compete for Stanley Cups. And it's like, yeah, if we don't think you're, like, a center, the coach doesn't like you, we're just going to move you. Like, the Justin Williams thing was, we need to win now, we're moving you out, you're hurt, whatever. Like, Sharp, yeah, you never got to realize his full potential. But Morgan Frost, to this point, has been more productive than Sharp ever was as a flyer and still not getting that opportunity. Like, how badly have we overrated Morgan Frost, Charlie? Like, is it just that simple? Well, I I think, like, two things can be true at the same time. I think one thing that is true is that there are people in the fan base that have overrated Morgan Frost that because they've loved him since the time he got drafted, really since that breakout season, the year after his, his draft, uh, when he had the, the big year in the OHL that some people have gotten in their heads that he is an impact creative score type player. And I, I, my thing, I, I, Maybe they don't still think that, but I think the residual positive feelings developed in those days still exist. Mm -hmm. And they still feel like this guy's still really good and he could be really good or he could be at least good. You know, they they build up this idea in their heads of him being, you know, the most skilled prospect the Flyers have. And they don't want to see the Flyers flub that because John Tordell decides he didn't like the guy. So I think that is true. But I think it's also true that it doesn't make a lot of sense the way that they are handling Morgan Frost. It doesn't make a lot of sense for after 13 games that Morgan Frost has only played in six of them, given the fact that he was one of the team's top scorers last year. And I got news for you. This team still struggles to score. So maybe he could help in that regard. I think that that it's fair to say that this is kind of ridiculous in terms of the way he's being handled. 
even if it's also ridiculous if people still think that Morgan Frost is going to explode and be this super impact player. Is it possible? Sure, anything's possible. He does have talent. And part of the reason why I would like him to play every game is because I would like final evidence one way or the other because if he doesn't take a further leap forward then i feel like you can part ways with him with a clear conscience whereas if you never give him the chance to show that he can or he can't or can take a leap forward then you never know and then if two years down the road he pops up with anaheim and is a 65 point a year second line center then you're thinking to yourself well maybe he could have been that here if they would have given him a fair shot like i just want him to get a fair shot and i think that it's fair to be frustrated that he doesn't seem to be getting a fair shot this year while also acknowledging that the people who are convinced that he's going to be an impact guy and that if you just play him he's going to be great i think those people are going too far as well we're a little delusional right now, Charlie. We're hoping, you know, Morgan Frost can become a stud setter <laughs> piece here. But I, I'm, I'm more so because I like your points. Kelly. I'm more so looking at Morgan Frost's mindset right now because he is a young player. And this can be very difficult. And you do see times, especially with this organization, guys leaving and having themselves a great career. So I'm just curious where Morgan Frost's mindset's going, how what's going on going forward. I want to like in terms of his production last year, because. Listen, it, he 19 goals, 40-some points. He was a good player, productive yeah. player for them last year. I would love to know how much – I call it Kyle Calder syndrome. Remember when the Flyers got Kyle Calder from the Blackhawks, and it was like, man, dude had 20 goals. He looked good for them. And it was like, yeah, they're horrible. And someone, <laughs> someone has – no, most teams don't get shut out every night. Right. Like, there's a couple of goals scored usually. Like, even the Sharks have a few goals now and then, you know? Like, Kyle Calder was the dude who got them. How much of Morgan Frost's production last year, I wonder, do the Flyers think is like, well, someone had to fucking score. Like, yeah, like no one yeah. gets shut out every night. Like, do you think that's part of it where they're just like, yeah, he had a nice little season last year also – it's not like he had 70 points. You know, he had 40. Tortorella clearly thinks something similar to what you're saying, but it's just, you got, like Charlie said, you got to see. You have to see to know. And if you're going to get rid of him, you have to see. Like, I think you said it on, I don't know if it was yesterday's show or the day before, that if they, if this is where John Tortorella's head was at, last season or at any point during the summer, that's my, why didn't they trade him? Because th this is stupid. That's like, through six games, if you didn't see, or they're like, however, what was it, two before they took him out of the lineup, yeah. and that, like he's played like six games, seven games at this point, and you've made the determination, yeah, he just ain't got it. Like, that means you didn't make that decision based on these couple of games. Nope. You already had that in your mind. That's your mind was made up. Which is a problem. If, if that's the case, you could have traded his rights in the offseason. Now you have a guy signed through this year and next year who you don't like, and yeah. he's just going to be like an asset that continues to lose value. How much value is even there to begin with? I don't know. There's I don't some. have uh, some though, there's right? Some. Like there's got to be. But he's a it's, good player. He's but a, as you, know? you see a team now that has lost to the fucking Sharks is going to probably be a bottom five team. He can't make that lineup. Well, what lineup can he make then? Like if I'm a GM that even if I like him, 
and I want to acquire him, my negotiating tactic is, oh, yeah. you suck, and he doesn't play for you. Oh, yeah. Like, how's he going to make my team? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like That's how I would handle it. That's All right, point. so, but that's, uh, I'm done with Morgan Frost. It's Friday. Hey. Just a couple of house cleaning things before we wrap up. Uh, first, I saw this. You actually brought it up uh, when we were talking before the show, JP. I want to know, if, Charlie, have you heard anything about an Owen Tippett contract extension? Is this just... Like a rumor, like what's, have you heard anything about this potentially? No, I, I haven't heard anything in terms of a contract extension being imminent. I don't think it's any secret that the Flyers view Owen Tippett as someone who can be part of the future. And I don't think it's any secret that Owen Tippett would like to stay a Philadelphia Flyer. So I think this will be an ongoing story because I do believe that in the end, these two sides are going to come to terms because I think that both sides want to make a deal happen now i don't think that deal is going to happen in the next two weeks i i i can't see that but look he's an rfa he's shown some real talent i, I think you you noted that the uh the, the report from uh, from anthony demarco of the fourth period said that he's looking for seven mil a year of course he's looking for seven mil a year because guys shoot high in negotiations like this is what happens. Is Owen Tippett a seven million dollar year player? No, of course he's not. He's off to a relatively so slow start this year. He had a good, a good not great season on the whole last year, where he showed flashes of brilliance. He showed you, hey, this guy could be something really good, but he's not that guy yet. Now, I in my, I, I did an article for the Athletic over the summer. Basically, it was a fun article of what does the next great Flyers team maybe look like? And I went full on just like making shit up essentially and figuring out future cap hits, who they might sign, who they might trade for. It was just a fun piece. And I projected that Owen Tippett after this season, after a good but not amazing season, was going to sign a an Andrew McDonald special, or not an Andrew McDonald special, a five-year deal with a $6 million cap hit. I could see that's where they ultimately end up. And I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's ridiculous. And given the fact that you're expecting the cap ceiling to go up dramatically over the next three, four years, three, four years down the road, that could look like a really good deal. If you have to give him seven, no, I don't give him seven. I don't think he's worth seven. But I think even Owen Tibbetts people probably know he's not worth seven if that's their initial ask. You always shoot high with an initial ask. And especially like he's going to be arbitration eligible. Like I think they can split the difference in hockey, like baseball you either get what you think you're worth or what the team thinks you're worth and there ain't no splitting it unless you like come to a come to an agreement before the decision is made i think you can split the difference in hockey but like if they're going to come in low because that's what the flyers are going to try to do yeah i'm shooting for 7 but 7 seems a tad high especially considering the start he's off to he's been okay hasn't finished nearly enough my man needs a gps to find the net um badly needs to start hitting the net a little more uh we're basically out of time just real quick charlie uh sell some diehard subscriptions tell them about your power play article and then we can get the hell out of here on this friday yeah sure so uh so <laughs> yesterday i actually wrote this article at the uh the anaheim practice facility uh an article breaking down the uh the flyers Did you write it in your glasses <laughs> I didn't. I, it was inside. I, I'm telling you, I can't see my laptop screen if I have the glasses on. It's just, it's impossible. I can't do it. But look, we all know the Flyers power play has been abysmal, dismal, whatever words you want to use to describe how terrible it's been. Trust me, you can use a multitude of words. It's been real bad. And the piece just kind of tries to break down, you know, the changes they've tried to make, which changes have 
shown some signs of working, namely they are getting a bit better at entries, which changes haven't worked yet, but hey, they might have potential, namely Bobby Brink operating below the goal line. I like that, hasn't worked yet, but I like the idea. And then changes that have zero chance of working, like putting Morgan Frost at that front because that's an idea. And the, the piece, it breaks that all down. I spoke with John Torrell yesterday at practice. I did some uh, some tracking work that I included in the piece. So if you are a diehard member, check it out. If you're not a diehard member, why not? Take this as the opportunity to sign up and become a diehard member of PHLY and get all of the great written content that we have now behind our paywall and also get a free shirt and get the kinds of discounts and things that you will get included in the diehard membership with regards to the events that we're going to have moving forward. Should be a good time. And that is all the time we have for you on this Friday edition of PHLY Flyers. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Listen, follow us on Twitter, uh, the podcast. You know how to find that. This YouTube page, set reminders so you always know when we go live. Thank you very much to Ken- Kelly Hinkle. Thank you to JP. Charlie, I'll see you when you get home. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great weekend, Philly. Woo. <laughs>